0: It's good to be able to finally get to know the college here. We've been we come home on furlough. Now it's every year for about a couple weeks or a month in this area. And we used to used to be for longer periods of time, and uh, I've always man I got to get up, get up there and get to know those uh, those servants of God that have been prepared to go out and change the world. Uh, ministry starts at home. I'm sure you've heard that a lot. Uh, this is our this is written in Portuguese on our. Uh, Wall right next to my discipleship table, which is also a pool table because that's where you do a lot of discipleship and and evangelism And so we have this uh, two things really close to that table one is on the wall in chalk My wife does wonderful chalk drawing and so she has that up there and it's in Portuguese But this is our mission statement for our marriage Uh, We will be living proof that happy marriages do exist Our communication will be based on unconditional love and respect Strengthened by joy, we will build a legacy of humble service romance adventure and mission living with no regrets reflecting christ will send our children into the world to make an impact for eternity so that's what we're doing in brazil and god's allowed us to be doing that since 92. Uh, we got married and then eight days later we moved to brazil and my like like uh, dan it's dan right <laughs> daniel or dan either either, though uh no but uh, dan uh like you mentioned i grew up in brazil since i was five so my parents and one thing i got from my dad he's still a missionary down there Uh, is that passion for ministry. He says, Jane, it's 100% or nothing to live for Christ. You have to be willing and and to enjoy uh, what you're doing. And so uh, that's one of the things that I I got as an inheritance in ministry was to to be passionate about and get all our passions into the ministry. So on the back screen here we have a book that I wrote a couple years ago. And if you want more information about some of the things I'm going to talk about today because we won't get into it, But our story of restoration, we have a wonderful restoration story in our marriage. After we had planted three churches, it was just kind of a crash in our ministry. It took about four years to get back. And sometime about a year here in Montana being ministered by a home church. So you can read more about that. Uh, That was in 2008. And so uh, basically God has taken us through, uh, you could say through the mill of being there, young uh, 21-year-olds in ministry out of Bible college, thinking, man, we're ready to go, but really lacking discipleship, lacking mentoring, and really sent with a lot of passion, but uh, little accountability. So there was was some issues that that we had to deal with. And today, I would say our ministry is based on authenticity, on a ministry of confession. God has taken our church in Brazil. After we planted those three churches, uh, we came back, and I knew God wanted us to do something different. He wanted us to partner with an existing Brazilian church that had longevity. Because we'd come back to the United States on a furlough, and we might have 250 people. We'd go back, there'd be 50. Because a lot of it was based on following us. So God put on our heart one of the local churches down there that we had already been partnering with, kind of been doing consultation for missions to help them. And they were an 80-year-old church. Uh, they were running about, about 200 at that time. And basically, when we began to work with them, Uh, God allowed us to help them send out missionaries, which was one of our our three goals when we went to Brazil. Was to uh, help existing churches or strengthen existing churches to plant new churches and send missionaries into the global harvest. So by by uh, swiveling into a role where we were underneath a Brazilian pastor, we had much more accountability, we had much more support, and we were able to have even discipleship. That couple. Uh, was able to become our disciples, and it was, it was a great fit. And their church also, uh, our church in Brazil, Montserrat Baptist Church, they've grown in the last seven years from about 300 to 1,600. And God just allowed all our church plan to go through there. And so now our church in our campuses of Montserrat around Porto Alegre, which is about two million people. But I'd like to ask Erin to come up here real quick and just say a little bit about uh, what she does. I did separate a couple... A couple Pictures here. This is, as you're coming up here, Erin hates it when I invite her up and she, it's not the moment for her to say something because then she That's waits right. there. But just a second, I, I forgot that there's a couple <laughs> slides there. Okay, so if you are interested, <laughs> if you're interested in looking at that book, it has our story of restoration and how God has used uh, that in what we call uh, O plus R equals I, opportunity plus relationships equals influence. And I, I was an art student in college, so I had to use that art for something. So that right there is the symbol of. Uh, In the inner circle there, uh, you have the story of Genesis through the end of the Bible and just kind of stick figures there. And we have this also right next to the pool table. So sometimes we'll have a, they'll they'll just be playing pool. They will be talking, what is that? And so I'll get out a Sharpie. It's behind glass. And I can just kind of walk the person through their life, uh, how they, through the opportunities that God gave them they get a job and they were faithful and they, they showed up at work and then they they built new relationships which is the are there and then they uh when when you actually treat people with kindness and the bible talks about loving god and people and others then you acquire influence which is really the currency for missions so the opportunity relationships influence uh kind of follows through all the stories in the bible and you and this book is about how you can take a look at david take a look at uh people in in history and how they either built or how they broke influence in their life to, 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 to lift the name of God. So that's, that's that. And that's Aaron and I. We're gonna, she's going to talk a little bit right now. We have two wonderful kids. It's a few years ago. And one of the cool things is as we send missionaries out from Brazil and go to visit them on their fields, right now we have missionaries. This, this was a, a partnership that we had in, with a Brazilian missionary in India. And we take the kids with us. We were able to take them with us around the world as we, we did missions while they were growing up. That was a wonderful thing, and both of them are, are passionate about ministry right now too. So we believe that you know you got one life, one chance, and so you use everything you got. And that's opportunity. Relationships uh, uh, equals influence. It goes with like uh, I had I had four years of college wrestling. I saw somebody with a wrestling sweater here. Was there somebody has a wrestler here, right there. Okay, good. I mean, I'm not a great wrestler, but in Brazil they need wrestling for takedowns for the. For the UFC and the MMA uh, training, and for jujitsu, so I get to uh, teach wrestling at uh, high-level jujitsu classes, and they come up—they come up with these posters. I'm afraid to go, but then I say it's me. Uh, so they come up with these posters. But basically, we have—we've um, had three world champion jujitsu uh, people trust Christ recently, and come into the church and. Get, uh, begin to be discipled. And this is, so when we, that's an opportunity. I could have thought about 25 years ago, I wrestled, I was more or less. But if, I, if you give that to God, it's like fish and, and bread and God does miracles with that stuff. So that's one of the ministries we have there. And I just want Erin to talk a little bit about how she influences pastors' wives and, and what, what she does down there. 20, almost 27 years. Uh, now, do not do what we did. Eight days after we got married, we moved to Brazil and took over our first ministry. We were not ready at that time. But uh, one of the cool things is right now, our responsibilities involve mentoring the the missionaries that are being sent out of, of our church and the seminary students, you know. Uh, and so uh, it, it's been great to set up a, a way of, of, of walking with, uh, through discipleship and mentoring, something that we didn't have back in that day. And uh, and it's been awesome to to learn from our mistakes. and. In errors to, to do better. Uh, so this is Gabriel, our son. He's over here at Spire Climbing. He's going to be he's starting seminary in March there in Brazil. And our daughter just finished two years of songwriting in at Hillsong in in uh, Australia. So uh, she gets married in June. Man, I, my daughter's getting married. I can't believe it. Okay. So I uh, just want to kind of go through this concept, and uh, I'm going to be here, I guess, for for lunch on Tuesday, right? So then, if you want more talk more about it, we can sit at at the table and you know go through more but the idea of wounded healer when i was coming up with uh, the, that matrix of opportunity relationships and influence i was praying about it what kind of triggered that was we came back from a furlough and at the airport it's, this is a capital city airport two million people in this town uh, the mayor uh, was waiting for us outside with a marching band and we were just completely and we sat down and started crying and we didn't really know what to do Uh, Man, this never happened before. I'd heard the missionary stories that the marching band was there for like a soccer player, and but the the missionary gets off the plane. But in this case, there was the marching band there for us with welcome back Latham's, and like what? Where does this come from? And I started praying about that, and God. So it was. Well, I guess it was opportunities that we had in the public schools to serve, sometimes doing a seventh grade graduation with PowerPoint and you know, just bizarre things like that, opening our building for uh, the public school when they had cracks in their walls. But just serving, the opportunities to serve and building relationships and then loving people in the name of Jesus and then that acquiring influence so that the city really wanted us there. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, we've had our times of getting stoned too. but. Uh, the idea that in the hearts of people, they want to know that they're loved and you, you get to love people by opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities are pleasurable, sometimes they're related to your uh, talents like wrestling or you know, English, but sometimes they're related to trauma. You know, Sometimes the best opportunities are when you've been wounded, when you've been hurt, and then how you come up from that, or how you interact with people during that will, will, just, will let people know whether they can trust you for their times of being wounded. So, are you a wounded healer is the question. Uh, By his wounds we are healed, is where the idea comes from in Isaiah 53, that Jesus Christ, through his wounds, everything we got that is worth anything in ministry and future, comes because he was wounded for our transgressions, right? And so, as Christians, as little Christ, as people that follow Christ, we need to make our wounds available as well. Uh, The world wants to know, why does God allow pain? And some of the answers is, you know, where was God when this happened? Very famous question um here's some of the answers i think i can't remember even where i got these three here they might have been from rick warren when he was talking about his son having committed suicide a few years ago uh as consequences for my choices just some kind of general ways in which uh god allowed where where, that answer where was god when i when i was going through this pain. Well, there's consequences for choices. You now, genuine love permits free will, and freedom to choose is both a blessing and a responsibility. Number two, uh, to grab my attention. Uh, I like C.S. Lewis's statement on that. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Uh, three, to teach me to depend on Him. You'll never know God is all you need until you realize He's all you've got, and so I just want to share today a couple moments in which we've gone through uh, God is all we've got, and that God has used that as a powerful way to to minister to to as an opportunity to build relationships and uh, to open up uh, uh, avenues for mission. So one of the books that talks about that is The Wounded Healer. I don't know if has anybody read this book by Henry Nouwen. Uh, very powerful book he was a religion teacher at Harvard for years then he left his post there after becoming a, a well-known author and went to spend the rest of his days as a chaplain of a uh, home for the mentally in, uh, mentally uh, insane there's another way of saying that but uh, anyway so that's where he spent out his years and he wrote in this book called the wounded healer here's a couple of the phrases that he wrote let me read it here without I think I got it right here I'm our own experiences with loneliness, depression, and fear can become a gift to others, especially when we have been well cared for. While our wounds are open and bleeding, we will frighten others. And there's another part that doesn't come into this, but while our wounds are, are hidden and, and infecting, they, they cause a future uh, explosion, uh, something terrible is coming down the pike. And pretty much that's what happened to us in ministry, where where we we just, with a lot of eagerness and desire, came of our teenage lives of being away from the Lord. I mean, I was totally messed up there in Brazil, Aaron here in Belgrade. And we came to Bible college wanting to serve God, but there's some things that need to be dealt with that were cracks in the concrete, and we never dealt with that. That will come back, too, uh, to hinder your ministry if you don't deal. So not only the healing of wounds so that people won't be frightened, but also so that you are, in in a way... Uh, in a wholesome way, ready to minister to other people. Another another phrase from that book is the beginning and end of all Christian leadership is to give your life for others, to make your own painful and joyful experiences available as sources of clarification and understanding. So, in that first chapter of our book that I mentioned, the uh, the Wisdom Spiral, it's called. Yeah, the first twenty six pages about our story, and I, I'm a couple pastors, so I'm like, don't ever write that in the book. Don't love, don't tell anybody what you guys went through, uh, but. We were living this—the idea that by his wounds we are healed, and as we became, became healed, we wanted to make our wounds as a clarification, understanding for other people. Another—let um, me see—another, uh, another excerpt from that book: A shared pain is no longer paralyzing but mobilizing when understood as a path to freedom. And I have, I think, one more quote there. No one escapes from being wounded. The main issue is not how can we hide our wounds so that we are not ashamed, but how can we make our wounds available for the service of others when our wounds are no longer a source of shame. They become a source of healing, and we become wounded healers. So he coined that, and we now uncoined the phrase wounded healers. And so I I separated a couple pictures of our family here. Let me go back here. Uh, Here's Camila, you know, getting engaged there at Hillsong. She's a wonderful... Uh, writer of praise music, and God's going to use her a lot, her and her, her future husband in that area. Uh, Gabe, that's him and his babe. They had just jumped out of a... They, they're both uh, interns at our church last year, and they just just jumped out of an airplane, so they're thanking God that they uh, survived. <laughs> and so uh, uh, that's our family here. And so our, our, Aaron and I, our story, uh, you might have, I don't know if you ever heard of the book... Um, no Perfect People Allowed by John Burke, or he also wrote uh, Mud on the Masterpiece. And so a few years ago, I met John at a, at a missions conference, and he's, a, he's the pastor of the church, a Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. And he said, Shane, can I include your story in my book under the Wounded Healer chapter? And so, uh, sure. And, and now it's in that, in that book called Mud on the Masterpiece. The idea there is that uh, when you have a masterpiece, you see you know, the Mona Lisa in the mud. You don't go there and say, oh, Mona Lisa's is in the mud. All is lost. No. Someone who cares for that masterpiece will get that, pick it up, and they don't put a, you know, a, a, a what do you call a a power sprayer to try to get that mud off. And sometimes the church does that. <laughs> you destroy the masterpiece with uh, getting the mud off. You come very carefully and lovingly with a little brush and you take that mud off a little bit. And it says, that's what God does with us. He doesn't want to destroy the masterpiece that He's done in our own stories. And you go through the Bible, how many uh, tragedies and bad decisions and consequences co- have, have show up in the lives of, of the heroes of the Bible, and how God uses that. And until today, we're, we're learning from those stories. So I wanted to just go through uh, very quickly our marriage. I just mentioned that quickly. We were married here in Belgrade, and God gave us uh, seven wonderful years, three church plants, and then a huge crisis that we were able to get help and overcome, and then we went back in ministry in 2011. Gabriel there, when he was six, he was struck by a metal bar, and we ran with him to the, to the hospital. We had a Bible study at the beach, ran with him to the hospital, and I, I was holding a T-shirt on his brain because his skull was missing in this point, and, and, and he died on the way there, and through CPR they brought him back, and that was, uh, it's unexplainable what it means to, to see your son come back and start breathing again after his heart has stopped, and his breathing stopped, his eyes are wide open there. And then he was in coma for about three days, and then God gave him back completely to us. Um, that was terrible. And, and then my daughter, when she was 10, she came crying into our room, and, and she opened up about how some, a teenager in the church, uh, the older brother of her best friend, where she would go and spend the night, had abused her. And as a as a father, that my whole uh life came crashing down there and, and helping her go through that 13 years and get out of the depression that that came from that and cutting and things like that that she went through as a as a teenager. Today she ministers to girls that uh, that call mothers who, who call, "Hey, could you talk to my daughter about this cutting thing and how you got out of it and that kind of thing so our in our seventeenth Year of marriage, which was a recommitment of the vows and, and how that was uh, a powerful moment. And I think the last one i put up, that's a picture of my brain, believe it or not. And there's supposed to be, uh, supposed to be two main arteries. So about four years ago, I, I woke up paralyzed on this side, had fallen out of the bed that night, went to the hospital, uh, cere- cerebral vasculitis, where it's not, it's not like it's clogged, but it's one of the main arteries just, impl- just compacted. It, and there's no, no reason for me to be teaching wrestling or even walking around. I, I came, I, after seeing several doctors in Brazil, I came back and saw one in Bozeman here and he said, Shane, what do you think? He's a Christian doctor. He said, Shane, what do you think God wants to do with your life? You shouldn't even be around. He, I've never talked to somebody with this in their brain. Either it's an autopsy. Or a uh, you know a, a vegetative state, so through all of these circumstances, God has given us a ministry of using these things to bless other people, and that's what I wanted to give you two verses that you can take home with you. Second Corinthians one three through four is this right here. Uh, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of compassion and the God of all comfort comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from god so we, are, we were consoled or comforted to be a comfort to other people so through all those situations they were really terrible opportunities and powerful opportunities to love and meet people and i could tell you many stories of people that got saved through those opportunities and become disciples of christ because we didn't hide in a corner uh, while we were going through woundedness uh, we allow God to heal us, and then that became a resource. Another verse is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and that and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation so we have been reconciled to reconcile we have been comforted to comfort i want to give you just three tips if you're gonna do this i can't even see that clock let me see i got five minutes we're good three tips if you want to become a wounded healer and it it, hope hopefully it'll help you out first first of all you just you got to be be honest is that in portuguese or english Okay, good. I spoke once and it was still in Portuguese. Be honest. Don't embellish your story. Don't distort your story. Try to liberate your story uh, by exchanging denial and accusation of other people for why you were wounded, for confession and authenticity. If God's going to use your story, you just got to liberate it. Uh, I think about Moses and all the way that God used that man. And at the end of his life, you can hear him saying what to the people, this last message, and he says, I'm not going to the promised land because of you guys. Moses, you too? I mean, it wasn't because of them. That was 40 years earlier. It was their parents. And at the time, God had said, listen, you're not going to go in, you and Aaron, because you failed to honor me in front of the people. 40 years later, Moses is still blaming them for why he can't go into the Promised Land. So, any one of us is susceptible to this. uh, A wrong view of our own story. So, how do you do that? How do you get out of that? I'll tell you that right in just a second. Uh, Next one. We have to be humble. Be honest. Be humble. Uh, Listen before speaking. And when speaking, begin with your own scars. Allow the Spirit to make the connections. So many times we start talking to people, "Hey." I can see, obviously, your problem is this, this. And they don't want to hear that. But, they want, but if you say, hey, listen, uh, let me tell you what happened in my own marriage. Let me tell you what happened uh, when my son uh, died and God miraculously brought him back and what I was going through in my questioning as he was still in a coma. Let me tell you about that. As you, you begin with your own scars, people will open up their lives to you, but you have to be humble and listen before speaking. Uh, the third item, tip to uh, be a a would-be wounded healer is to let me see here. point to Jesus with your story. Don't forget why you're telling this painful story. Some people just like the soap opera and then shock and awe. No, there's a reason why you're going to open your life. It's because you want to point them to Jesus. Remember that joy and responsibility of those healed is to be a service to others. So basically, here's some so what that you can take home with you, the so what factor. We've heard all this, so what? Well, today, right now, you might want to commit your life and story to Jesus if you haven't done that. He needs to be the owner, not of your, just your, your, your salvation prayer, but of your whole life and your story, the parts that you have never talked to anybody about. Meditate, pray through, write down your real story. Go back. You don't need hypnosis. You just need to go back with your own memory and prayer and just bring it forward to say, God, what, did, what have you done in my life? And it's a powerful Uh, experience to write down everything you remember in your story and then sit down with someone you trust and tell them your story asking for feedback on denial and bleeding wounds there's certain areas that are probably still bleeding and when they come out with anger and with accusation then you know it's an area that you need to be healed more in and forth begin to prayerfully use your story to bless others as a wounded healer so that's what I had for today and Lord I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here that you would bless these students with the opportunity to use their stories that they would first that they'd be able to open up and 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 have healing in areas that today might even be hidden That they'd be able to find that kind of authenticity in relationships that where confession and uh, uh, integrity will be a normal part of living lord and that from that their wounds will be the healing of many people in the nations in jesus name amen